All right, well, welcome, everybody. Welcome back. Um, how was everybody's week? Did you guys find any interactions to point out your personality types to other people? No? I do it all the time, but <laughs> that's just me. Um, all right, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Um, Lord God, we love you so much. Thank you for this opportunity to get together and learn. Um, God, we just want to know you. We want to know your heart, and that's why we're here, God. We want to know how to speak to you successfully and in the way that you created us to be. God, I pray that you would bless every single one of us with eyes to see and ears to hear tonight. God, remove me from the microphone and speak through me. Let your words stick and my words fall. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, well, we're going to be going over this book tonight. It's called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. We also carry this in our bookstore. Um, pretty easy read, um, vital information. It's going to be great stuff if you want to pick this. Boy, I'm out of breath. I don't even know what happened. Just overcoming the spirit all of a sudden, I'm out of breath. But yeah, um, Gary Chapman, great book, um, Vital Information. So we're going to be starting talking about the love language. So people speak different love languages. We all have a primary language of our tongue. Though we can speak or learn to speak other languages, we'll be far more fluent in our native tongue. That means that we most often feel comfortable speaking our own love language. But if another person speaks a different one, then we will have difficulty communicating with them. Now, it may require more effort, but like learning and speaking another tongue fluently, the effort is worth it. We will be able to communicate with our loved ones better uh, when we want to give love or receive love. Um, so, seldom do our important loved ones have the same primary emotional love language as us. And when we get confused, um, when someone doesn't understand when we are communicating our love to them. They just don't understand it as well because they're speaking a different language. If we are visiting with a person who speaks a different language, like physically, we need to learn uh, to speak that language to them rather than expect them to learn to speak our language. German won't get us anywhere in Mexico, right? So if, you're, you're, if somebody else speaks a different love language than you in your family or your loved one, we need to make an effort to speak their love language. Um, so, so why are we talking about love languages? That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to our identity, right? It seems like it's reserved for married couples. Well, the truth is, is that we were all created to be in community. Genesis 2.18a says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Learning the five love languages teaches us how we can be successful living in community, which means giving and receiving in relationships. Now, there are five main love languages, and they are defined as follows. So we're going to start with the first one, which is physical touch. Um, physical touch, giving and receiving touch to express emo emotional love. Um, Gary Chapman says it this way, For some individuals, physical touch is their primary love language. Without it, they feel unloved, and with it, their emotional tank is filled and they feel secure. Someone out there could be on the edge of having an emotional breakdown, and all that could really keep them from having that is a hug or a pat on the back, or, or just to be known. Does that make sense? So physical touch. Um, an example of this is like putting your hand on somebody's shoulder when you greet them, um, a nice gentle hug, um, a handshake, that sort of thing. They, they receive love through, you guys are already practicing, that's awesome. Um, now, because physical touch is my primary love language, and, and because of that, I can actually be more guarded in this area um, because it's something that I find sacred. So in our love language, when we discover which one is our primary, and usually operate in two, um, primary and secondary, but the one that you operate in most, you're probably going to be apt to be a little more guarded um, when it comes to that, because that's how you give and receive love. That's, an that's a big deal. Um, 
That can be dangerous if misinterpreted or received from someone who isn't in your inner circle. You want to make sure that you have boundaries and have relational intelligence regarding the level of relationship you have with another person. So if a stranger came up to me and gave me a big old hug like around my waist and I didn't want it, I, I'm going to feel more violated. Does that make sense? Because that's how I give love and receive love. So when I invite somebody into that inner circle, into that, that place where they can then express that love to me, then it's invited. But otherwise, it's, it's uncomfortable. Does that make sense? Cool. So moving on to words of affirmation, which is encouraging words, like humble words, kind words, words to build each other up. Um, there are people who desperately crave an encouraging word, and you saying a compliment to them could be the very thing that lifts them out of the pit of lies and into the truth of God. So an example of this would be like, Eric, you are so gifted when it comes to literature. Or Dale, I love how personable you are. That sort of thing. Like These are encouraging words, words to build each other up. People need to hear those things. Um, but this is not flattery. And the difference is flattery is searching to pump someone up with an ulterior motive. There are no strings attached when it comes to words of affirmation because it's about the other person receiving love, respect, and honor because you genuinely want them to feel those things. A words of affirmation person always knows when they're being manipulated. They know when someone wants something from them. They can tell when a person is looking to make a connection to get something out of them or trying to leverage their name, that sort of thing, because that's how they give and receive love. They can tell when it's not genuine. Does that make sense? Now, we need to be aware of our motives and our heart when we are trying to interact with each other in all of these gifts. We should be trying to connect with someone because we are genuinely interested in connecting with them, not because we need something. So, moving on to gifts. Gifts is a physical representation of emotional value or love given or received. Who doesn't like getting gifts, right? It's awesome. Gifts are awesome. If you don't like gifts, it's weird. But I, <laughs> but I can relate to you. I don't like getting gifts in public. So like Christmas is a nightmare to me. Like I don't know how to, am I the only one? Like I don't know how to act in a public setting when somebody hands me a gift and is like, here, I got this for you. And I'm like, and there's 15 people staring at me. Wow, thank you. I definitely needed this. I've lived 25 years without it, but I definitely needed it. If you're going to give me a gift, just like leave it on my desk or something. Uh, let me open it in my time, in my privacy. But regardless of my weirdness, um, there are people who love getting gifts. They love getting them and they love giving them. They just love the idea of gifts because it shows them value and thought. Um, a gift is something that you can hold in your hand and say, look, he was thinking of me, or she remembered me. Um, for, this to, for this to count, you must be thinking of someone to give them a gift. The gift itself is a symbol of that thought. It doesn't matter whether it costs money. What is important is that you thought of them. But, but in, this, in this case of the, the, the love language of gifts, um, it is important as an expression of love and respect that the thought is expressed in a tangible way. So when it comes to gifts, it's not just the thought that counts. It's important that you act on that thought as well, because what good is it if I'm like, Heidi, I thought about getting you this awesome bag of chocolate oranges, but I only thought about it. But it's the thought that counts, right? No, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> no, the, the gift. Well, okay. And see, that's a thoughtless gift. I didn't know that. I didn't even think about you. I was just like, Heidi, we love this. I didn't take the time to get to know it. But an example of this is like getting someone a cup of coffee or getting them an intentional gift 
that is personal to them. So my wife loves sunflowers and hummingbirds. They're very personal symbols to her. They have deep meaning to her in her spiritual walk. And so if I were to get her sunflowers, like literal sunflowers, that's a really personal, intentional gift to her because I know what it means to her. Or another example of this is, I don't ever remember telling my wife this, but apparently she found out that whenever I go on a road trip, she knows that I get a Red Bull and a bag of beef jerky. That's like, I've done that since I was able to drive. I just, I'll go to a gas station, get it, and then I get on the road. Well, she found out or heard me mention it or was paying attention when I wasn't paying attention. And now every time I get in the car and we're going on a trip, there's Red Bull and beef jerky sitting in the cup holder. Like it's, it's just a little thing and it seems silly to you, but it's like, it's a big thing to me. It's like, it shows intentionality. It shows that she cares and that she's paying attention. And that's the key is the paying attention. It's the intentionality behind it. It's, it's the thought and the expression of that thought working together that makes a gifts person's heart soar. Um, now is, uh, we're going to move on to quality time. So quality time is the giving and receiving of love through undivided attention. An example of this is having dinner with someone where you don't look at your phone. Seriously, just leave it in your pocket. Leave it in the car. Like, that's not undivided attention. Um, it, it, quality time is when you're truly engaged with someone, being present and listening to them and, and spending time with them, not spending time with everything else but them. Does that make sense? Quality time is the time that is not spent preoccupied by what is not in front of you, meaning you're not worried about what happened at work that day or you're not worried about that to-do list at home. You are actively present and engaged and listening and responding to the person in front of you. Um, and and I, the whole like leave your phone in the car thing, that's something we all struggle with it, right? Like we have the most amazing piece of technology that fits in our pocket and it can give us access to anything in the world at any point in time. And I'm right there with you. I'm like, ooh, Candy Crush. You know? Like, I'm sorry, were you saying something? It, it just shows like a lack of importance or a lack of value for their time. Does that make sense? Um, being present and engaging with that person, that's, that's the key here. Um, also, another great thing to do in this is, is finding out what the other person likes to do. Sometimes it's not about we sat down and we had a quality conversation. It's you were spending time with me doing something that I love to do. It's something that I wanted to do, and you took the time to find that out and took the effort to, to seek that out. And now we're, we're having, we, it could be going to a movie. I love going to movies, but that's not a quality conversation, right? <laughs> you're sitting there watching Batman on the screen, and you're like, this looks really good. Yeah. And people get mad at you because you're talking to the movie theater. But I love going to the movies, and my wife knows that. So there's the example of that. And finally, we have acts of service, which is showing value to someone through serving them. Now, an example of this is doing a task for someone um, without them asking you or without you complaining, truly serving them because you love them, um, doing something so that the other person doesn't have to do. It's like, I hate doing laundry. I hate it. 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 If I, for real, could we get disposable clothes? Is there anybody in here who's like a business owner? that can start working on disposable clothes. I don't want it. I just, I want to take it off and throw it away and be done with it. I mean, it could be business casual disposable clothes, but like, I just, I don't like the hassle of it. Um, but my wife does it because she knows I hate it. And vice versa, I do the dishes because she, I know that she hates it, even though she kind of does it about half the time anyway. Um, but it demonstrates value that you know what's important to the other person and you value what they value. Now, 
so those are the five love languages, excuse me. And, and we need to learn how to identify these in ourselves so that we can receive and communicate how you receive best from loved ones, but also be able to identify love languages in others so that we can speak those languages to them to demonstrate our care and concern. People who understand the love languages of others know how to intentionally, effectively, and consistently make each other feel truly and deeply loved. This, is, this indicates a level of social intelligence. Has anybody ever heard that term before, social intelligence? So I've said relational intelligence, I've said social intelligence, they're synonymous. That's, that is, social intelligence is defi uh, defined as the capability to effectively navigate and negotiate complex social relationships and environments. So basically, it's in this application, it's identifying the level of appropriate affection necessary in a relationship. So with different, different relationships, a husband and wife are going to have a different level of affection that's appropriate than, say, two coworkers. Um, so that's why it's important that we need to identify these and have social intelligence. And if there's not, if you feel like you might not know what that means or you want to explore it more, there's a great book. Um, in the bookstore. It's, it's called Social Intelligence. Um, I don't remember who wrote it, but it's awesome. It definitely speaks into that in a way that everybody can understand and get. Um, so after we identify what our primary love languages are um, and those of our loved ones and close friendships, we can be intentional to invest in these relationships in specific ways. Um, so, so like gifts, you get somebody a really awesome watch that has like their favorite verse engraved on it or or you get them flowers that's a, that means something to them or you you built them up when they need an encouraging word the most it's that intentional behavior it's that investment that's that's what we're doing here is, is we're learning how to invest in each other and in our relationships so that we can grow in unity as the kingdom of god um, if you look at the love languages there's an intentional way to fulfill them in people but there are also obvious ways that destroy the heart of the person with each one. It's because they're such a vulnerable place of our heart. They're how we receive love. They're how we give love. It's, it's essentially our heart. It's, our, it's our, our expression of love. And it's, that's why it's so important to, excuse me, to guard our heart. Um, Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It is such a vulnerable thing to share some to share that with somebody, this offering of love, or this is how I speak love. And so when somebody mistreats that or takes advantage of that, that that's why it's so devastating or so, um, so vulnerable, uh, sorry, so violating because it's, it is our most vulnerable self. Um, but, but all that being said, these are all going to look different depending on our levels of our relationship. So examples of uh, relationships are intimate relationships, personal relationships, work and school relationships, church relationships, and strangers. Now, intimate relationships are going to be like your, your marriage, your spouse, or if you're not married, your boyfriend or girlfriend, with your kids and immediate family. These are people that have the most access and influence to you and the people that you trust the absolute most, the people that you're going to share everything with, that you're going to freely love without any um, thought about it. The next tier is personal relationships. So this is your close friends, and your extended family. So not necessarily people you would um, spend or give every nitty-gritty detail about your life, but you definitely spend time with them. You invest in that relationship. Um, then work and school relationships, they're, they're mainly acquaintances. You're not going to be as, as um, vulnerable with them. You're not going to be as intimate with them. 
church relationships. Now, this one's interesting because they start out as acquaintances, but the whole goal of church is for us to become one body, is for us to become close as a family. Now, I'm not saying you have to be, have a personal relationship with every person at Fellowship Church. That would be pretty near impossible. Um, but what I am saying is, is find a small group. Get connected. Get your like 10 people that you're really close with at church because that's going to make your time on earth walking with Christ that much more enjoyable. The Bible tells us we need to be in community. We need to be celebrating. We need to be worshiping. And we need to be growing together. Um, and then we have strangers, which are pretty obvious, right? Stranger danger. Um, you wouldn't be overly tactile or touchy with somebody that you don't know at all. Um, so definitely um, be aware of those um, sort of things. But when dealing with a stranger, I mean, this is a sliding scale. Your level of investiga- uh, investment with a person dictates your level of willingness to learn their love language. Um, so, you know, strangers, you're not going to go out of your way to necessarily learn their love language on the first time you meet them. But if you develop a relationship with them, the more you invest in it, the more you are willing to learn that language, the more you're willing to learn to speak it. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, that being said, this is not permission to be cold and rude to people you don't know very well. Um, just because you aren't close with your barber or the lady at the, the info counter on Sunday doesn't mean you get to be a jerk. Um, we are supposed to show the love of Christ to the world, and that honestly is more simple than it seems. Having manners will get you extremely far in life. If you just hold the door for somebody, say please, say thank you, look them in the eye, and let people know that they are valued and, and have dignity, that's, that's the big key, especially with strangers, is, is just common courtesy and common decency. Just look them in the eye, shake their hand, tell them to have a nice day, and 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 those are all wrapped up in the gift or the the love languages in their own way. For instance, if you were to tell somebody to have a nice day, that's an encouraging word, right? That's words of affirmation. Or you were to to pat somebody on the back as you walk by, like, hey, when you said have a nice day, that's physical touch, you know, and that's an appropriate physical touch. You're not wrapping yourself around them. You're patting them on the back as you're walking by. It's not that big a deal, right? Um. But it's important to know that the term love language does encompass the heartfelt way that we interact with people and receive love and respect. But that same spot, like I mentioned earlier, is exactly where we can be damaged or disrespected. Um, so just, I just want to point out and highlight some examples of this, of what that could look like. And maybe you can identify in yourself sometime that that happened to you. But um, with words of affirmation, it could look like complaining or negativity or word curses or or hurtful comments, or even sarcasm. If you're sarcastic with a person who has words of affirmation, it, it can be detrimental. It can be extremely hurtful to them. Um, with physical touch, um, assault, or violence, or unwelcome advances at all. Like I was saying earlier, because I'm physical touch, if a stranger hugs me, I get really, Ooh, I don't like it. Because I didn't invite you to that, into that part of my life to where you get that, that right or that access. Um, quality time. Being present, but not actually being present. You're not paying attention. You're not emotionally there. Um, negligence or, or being absent or even abandonment. If somebody is a quality time person and you all of a sudden like cut them off or whatever, you've been negligent in that relationship, that speaks more to them than if you were to speak to them in the way that you love. Does that make sense? When we're speaking our love language to people, we can't automatically expect them to speak our language. We have to, we have to make an effort to speak their language. Um, and with gifts, this can be thoughtless gifts, like the bag of chocolate oranges that I got Heidi because she can't eat chocolate. That's a thoughtless gift. That actually could hurt her or kill her. I don't know. 
<laughs> but it was thoughtless. I didn't even consider it. Um, or no gifts, like you just don't give gifts at all. Um, or, or gifts with strings attached or expectations. Or I'm giving this to you, but I expect you to work for it. Or um, I expect a favor from this, you know. Um, or resentful giving, like, oh, no, 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 uh, you got me a gift, I'll give you a gift. No, it's fine. And then you give a gift out of guilt. Like, that's, that makes them feel horrible about giving or receiving gifts. And like we all learned earlier, everybody loves getting gifts. So let's be cool with the gifts, all right? Um, and then with acts of service, a negative attitude while doing the act of service or um, serving out of obligation. I have to do this. I don't want to do this. Or making it clear that you don't want to do this for the other person and that it is a sacrifice for you to be doing this. Oh, never mind. I'll get all the lights. I don't care. It's fine. You just get in the car and I'll handle everything in the house and then I'll come out there. Like, just turn off the lights. It's really not that big a deal. Just, that sort of thing can be extremely hurtful to somebody who, whose love language is, is acts of service because they just want to be valued and loved and, and through the act of service. And, and honestly... It's kind of our duty as Christians to be servants. If we're going to be leaders in our community, leaders in our church, or just all-around good people, we need to be serving. Um, and that's serving with a good heart. So we, all, of, all of that, all of those negative things that can be hurtful and, and, and detrimental to our love languages are the reasons we need to protect our love language and understand the reality of it and the counterfeit versions of it. We need to understand the inverse danger of our love language because it can be equally as damaging as it is uplifting and filling. Now, when it comes to relationships with others, we are responsible for knowing where we stand in relationships with other people. 1 Timothy 5.1, Pastor Hooper preached on this this weekend, is awesome and timely. Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother, and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sister. Basically, this is saying, if you don't know that person very well, treat them like your father or your brother, or treat them like your mother or your sister. You're not going to be overly touchy with your sister. That's gross. You're not going to be weirdly touchy with your mom. That's also gross. You're not going to talk harshly to your dad, because every time I do, he's 30 years older than me, and I still end up on my butt, because he's way in way better shape than me. It's not, it's not fair. Um, anyway, um, it basically, if you ever have to ask yourself if this is going to come across inappropriate, if I should be doing this, would this look bad? The answer is yes, probably don't do it. But the relational intelligent person, which is what we're all striving to be, um, will be able to discern the appropriateness of a situation or relationship. And, and something that is going to help immensely with this is if you do what we call in youth ministry the DTR which stands for define the relationship. Now, it's, it came about so that we would get young men to stop leading on girls because they're afraid to commit. But it, it is essential in everyday relationships. When you define your relationship with somebody, it makes it easier for you to know how, to, how intimate you have to be or how affectionate you need to be with them. Um, for example, Robin and I are pretty close. I'm best friends with her husband, but I also know that there are some boundaries there that I need to respect. Um, because of that relationship. Does that make sense? But Robin also has access to me that a lot of people don't because Robin and I have been through a lot together as just our own friendship. Um, I understand that we are close friends and that comes with a level of affection or a level of intimacy that is appropriate. But like my boss is Amelie. I'm not going to walk up to Amelie and be like, wow, Amelie, you are so beautiful. That's not appropriate. 
What I would do is I would walk up to Amelia and be like, you look very nice today because she is my boss and there's a level of respect there that needs to, ha needs to be there. There needs to be respect for that authority and respect because she's not my wife. Now, I can walk up to my wife and be like, dang, girl, woo, you got it going on. But none of you can. Don't do it. I promise you, don't do it. <laughs> um, always err on the side of polite professionalism, especially with people you are not close with. So that's shaking hands. That's um, what I do here, Tim. Can you stand up for a second? What I do when with people I don't know is I shake their hand, grab the forearm. It lets them know that I'm like, I, I see you. It's like, I don't know why, but that's just what I do. It's like very valuing to me. I grab the forearm or the shoulder. That's, that's enough touch to let them know that like, you're a person. I, I appreciate you and I know you, but I'm not going in for like the real thing. You know, like get in here. I haven't seen you for 20 years. Uh, <laughs> let Papa get his paws on you, that sort of thing. Um, that was weird. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I have a friend who used to say that to me. Um, his name was Chris, and he'd be like, "Come in for the real thing." He's big. He's like six eight, big gruff dude, and like, you don't have a choice if he's hugging you. He's hugging you. <laughs> um, but um, we need to be aware of the level we ha uh, level of influence we have with a person as well, um, and that can dictate the way we interact with each other as well. Specifically with like words of affirmation. So my primary is physical touch, but my secondary is words of affirmation. And so that means I like really enjoy encouraging words. But um, it's, it's kind of weird. When you get really close with your best friends, they kind of give you a really hard time, right? They're kind of like borderline really hurtful to you. <laughs> and we're like, oh, no, they mean it lovingly. I know it. But it's true. It's like Pastor Will and I are super close. And he can say things to me that if any one of you said to me that we were not that close, it would be really hurtful to me. Um, he gets to like make fun of me in any way, but that's because him and I have been through an extreme amount of stuff together. We've been through a lot together. I know his heart. I know that he meant it in love. He knew it to poke fun, or he meant it to poke fun at me. I know that. But if a complete stranger were to come up to me and say the exact same thing that he just said to me, it would it'd be fighting words. It's, it's not the same. So we need to understand the level of influence we have or the level of trust we have in our relationships because they're different. They differ. There's different levels of investment that you have. There's different levels of trust you have. Um, yeah. Another, you know, we're going to go back to elementary school on this one. The golden rule. Treat others the way you would want to be treated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Meaning, if you're a physical touch person and you want others to be affectionate to you in that manner, don't be weird and touch strangers. <laughs> That's not okay. Um, but... Basically, what we're saying here is treat others with respect, and they'll treat you with respect. Um, it's not about strangers speaking your love language. It's about them treating you with respect. Respect is mutual, but it's also earned. Um, if you want people to treat you with respect, you need to treat yourself with respect. You teach others how to treat yourself. If you treat yourself with low self-worth and, and insecurity, people are not going to treat you with the respect that you deserve. We are a reflection of how we treat ourselves, so we need to be loving ourselves through our love language. We need to make sure that we are covered, that we are speaking um, how we love ourselves to other people so that we get treated the way we deserve to be treated. Um, while it is important to recognize that there are destructive ways that hurt people, the good news is that in a heart of love, when, when Jesus is in our heart, when we're spirit-led in all of this, when it's out of a heart of love, we can be part of helping heal wounds in people and build them up. And that's because these love languages are directly correlated to God's heart. 
God created us with these aptitudes for love because he wants to connect with us intimately. He wants to give us gifts. He wants to spend quality time with us. He wants to affirm us. And he wants to touch our lives. And he is the greatest servant of all, the suffering servant. Jesus died on the cross to show that he loves us. He died on the cross to speak outwardly to us that we are valued and that we have um, a place in his heart. Um, and, and these are just another indicator of how we connect with the Father. Just like every other part of this course, these are going to look differently in each of us. But, but this is all just so we know how to connect with the Father. So I'm physical touch um, and words of affirmation. So um, tactile experiences like worship services and um, hearing from the Lord or getting an encouraging prophetic word from somebody from the Lord about my heart that only God and I know is an is a amazing way for me to connect with God. But it's also a way for me to connect with God when I am able to minister to someone else through words of affirmation. Or, am I, or I'm able to minister to somebody through that words of affirmation while, while also being able to touch them or let them know that they, that they deserve a hug. Like, it's okay to need a hug. It's okay to need an encouraging word. It's okay to need gifts. These are your needs and your love languages. And God created you with them so that you would receive love that way, but also so that you would speak love that way. Does that make sense? We, if we're, we're all really fluent in English, and if we try to speak Spanish all of a sudden, we struggle. We sound like goofballs. But we, we need somebody to, to interpret English over in Europe or something. I'm your guy, you know? Um, does that make sense? Is that, is, I feel like this is going over my head. Um, is it, no? <laughs> um, the love languages are a form of investment and communication in our relationships. This is important because we are designed to be in community, to love and be loved. The impo most important thing in all of our hearts is that we need to know that we're loved and that we belong. And that's, that's the kingdom of God. That's the church. That's the, our responsibility is to, is to let people know that they're loved and they're belonged here. Um, um, it is worth the investment of our time and energy to learn to identify our own love languages so that we can accurately communicate what you value to those who are closest to you and also so that you can guard your heart when someone else hurts you. So if you know that you are a physical touch person, it is, it is going to behoove you to put up boundaries with people that you don't want hugging you or, or may, putting some distance between people that have taken advantage of that in the past or, or might have violated you in certain ways according to your love language. Putting up boundaries and guarding your heart is important in that because as we learned earlier in Proverbs, guard your heart above all else um, for it determines the course of your life. But we also know that the heart is deceitfully wicked also from Proverbs. The heart can be led astray so easy. That's why it is important that we guard these and have appropriate levels of Social, um, social intelligence regarding our relationships so that we don't end up in a situation where we never, ever should have been in in the first place. I don't let every person in the world come and touch me because I want to look and be faithful to my wife. I don't, I don't want to be put in a situation where that's in, called into question. Does that make sense? That's why we have these boundaries. That's why we need to understand these so that we don't hurt anybody we don't hurt ourselves. Um, but there's also a level of relational and social intelligence that can be learned when we identify what is important to those who are closest to us, and, um, and we can make incredible investments into their emotional health and well-being by creating stronger relationships and stronger people through that level of investment. Um, are there any questions? Does anybody have anything they want to share or point out? Um,
Not at all. <laughs> There's no examples of like maybe. Robin, do you know what your love languages are? Are you eating? <laughs> Sorry. Quality time. So how is that best spoken to you? Coffee date. Mm -hmm. um, but is that also a great way for you to connect with the Lord as a coffee date? Is just quality time with him? Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm just looking, basically, I'm just looking for examples so other people might have an idea of what it could look like for themselves or in their heart. I should have explained myself first. Um, Dale. <laughs> right. <laughs> but right, but that's a different level of influence, right? There's that example of gay. It, with, with God, he has complete access at any point in time with our love languages and are any part of our identity, because he is the one who's going to handle us with the most care. But um, it's a different level with each person. You know, you're not going to be the same level of intimate with your barber that you are with your husband. That would be weird. Like, the guy who's sweeping up the hair on the floor doesn't need to know your love language. Like, just tell him he's doing a great job. Um, Dale, did you have something to add? No, it's, it's a great point. No, it, it can be as simple as, hey, I was thinking about going on a walk. Would you want to go with me? Um, it, it's choosing, with quality time, it's choosing the person over everything else, um, especially if their love language is quality time. Now, now all five of these are really great things to try and practice um, in our own personal relationships. Um, it's funny, I, like, I know from a long time ago when I took the quiz that my primary or physical touch and words of affirmation, but I feel like I, I receive in all of them. I also speak in all of them. Like, I love to give gifts. Now, as we learned earlier, I'm weird with receiving gifts, but I love to give them. Um, giving is one of my favorite things to do. It, it makes me feel so close to God because he has blessed me so much that I can bless other people. Um, and so that's, when we learn to speak each one of these, it you just figure out how to operate in them. Much like our personality types, we learn how to connect with each other on a different level. Um, yeah. Absolutely, I do. Um, I think that some personality types are going to have a more apt or a more aptitude to like, like probably sanguines are probably going to be more apt to words of affirmation because they're more willing to talk. They're more willing to share what's on their heart than say a phlegmatic. But a phlegmatic will probably um, be probably quality time because you don't necessarily have to be talking or interacting. You can just be in each other's presence and, and love each other that way. Does that make sense? Eric? Yeah, Daniel Goleman, Social Intelligence. It could be, and it could be also that you've learned how to speak all of them um, to the point now where that you also know how to receive out of them as well. So when we know how to speak them or we know how to give out of them, it gives us an idea of how it's going to be received. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
well, and it's individual as well. It's so like personal also is like, for example, quality time could look like you don't actually need to be talking or like interacting at all. You just need to be in the same room as them. Like some people just don't like to be alone. Like they just want to be in company. They don't need your conversation or even interaction. They just don't want to be alone. Or, or for me, um, like physical touch, I don't know what it is, but like in public, I'll hold my wife's hand. I'll be all over and stuff, but like, don't put your feet on me when I'm trying to go sleep. Don't do it. I mean, I don't mind it, but her feet are like ice. So, <laughs> um, you know, but that's just a joke. I'm, I love it. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's conditional though. It's conditional and, it, and it's personal to you. Like my level of personal or physical touch is going to look way different than yours. It's, we're going to not like the same things. Like I've heard some people really love it when their hair is played with. Played with that would drive me insane. Stop touching my head. Like, um, does that make sense? Like it can be that personal. Samantha, did you have something to add? Right, and and right. <laughs> we define quality differently. That's funny, but. There's that, there's that level of sacrifice. Is is that might make you a little uncomfortable, but because you love Eric and you want what's best for Eric, you're gonna make that sacrifice. You know, you're gonna intentionally try to meet his needs. You're gonna intentionally try to invest in your relationship with him because it's important to you. The level of an investment you show in a relationship is how much it's important to you, how much you value that relationship. Um, so our relationship with God should be our most invested in relationship. It should be our top of the list. And then next, our spouse. And if you're not married, your boyfriend or girlfriend, if you're not neglecting other priorities. But the level of investment that you show in your marriage is going to show how much, how valuable it is. Like the amount of sacrifice you're willing to show without damaging yourself, without putting your needs aside and meeting everybody else's before your own, is, is how much you value the relationship. Any, any other questions? Dan Schwetman, everybody. <laughs> well, that, that's that's pretty much all I got for this one. Um, if if there's any more questions or anything, I'd love to answer them. But uh, Terry, well, yeah, it does, and I and I think that that depends on your your boundaries that you set up. Is I think if if that's been abused or that's been taken advantage of, you obviously need to put up some boundaries and definitely make sure the person that you're trusting with that is trustworthy. And that is okay. Like You need to hear that it is okay to have boundaries and make sure somebody's trustworthy to handle your heart. That's what the Bible is saying when it says guard your heart above all else. It's okay. It's okay to have boundaries. It's okay to make sure somebody's going to handle your heart well because it's your heart. It's not this ethereal thing that, that doesn't exist and it'll all be okay. No, it's, it's real. This hurt is real. This damage is real. And that's why... It's so important for us to be socially aware of a relationship and how we're interacting because we, don't even, we might not even know that we were that damaging. But to answer your question, I think that the boundaries that you put up are going to be extremely important for you to rebuild trust with other people, but also rebuild trust within yourself. Um, put up that safeguard so that you don't find yourself in that situation again, but, but also don't make it to where you shut everybody out. Um, and... And another thing is, is like, obviously doing some spiritual warfare stuff, some 
some inner healing and deliverance ministry, that sort of thing, would also help with that immensely. All right, well, when you guys walked in, you saw all the handouts and stuff. Did everybody get a spiritual gifts inventory? Okay, so the spiritual gifts inventory, it looks like this. It says Rose Publishing on the bottom. On the back, it's got this cool, like, marbled paper look that was super popular in 2003. Um, so... Just uh, we're gonna take this right now um, for next week. We're gonna, we're gonna uh, we'll need this, so we're gonna take it right now. I'll give you time to do this. So you don't have to worry about it at home. Um, and then after that, we're gonna go ahead and dismiss. But a little bit of housekeeping that was pointed out to me on the front, number twenty-five, um, sharing Christ with non-believers comes naturally to me. So you would fill that out in the inv- evangelism category here on the back. It's the third down from the top in the gift category. There are two twenty-sixes. So the twenty-six in evangelism is actually 25. Everybody catch that? All right, so feel free to fill this out. And there's also the sacred pathways quiz over there. If you finish this, you can go ahead and get started on that one. We'll, we'll do that one in two weeks. But, but we are doing the spiritual gifts inventory quiz at this moment.